Hello and welcome to QPod, QIC's Investor Insights podcast series. I'm Craig Valenzuela, Global Business Development Manager at QIC, and each Friday we invite our listeners to take 10 and get the latest economic insights from our in-house economics team. Our Chief Economist, Dr. Matthew Peters, joins me again today in what's been a real smorgasbord of economic worth events this week. The backdrop here is the alarming re-emergence of COVID-19 across Victoria and New South Wales that continues to maintain its momentum. And whilst other states are faring well, there are, of course, those flow-on effects to the states open for business, such as Queensland. Whilst only weeks ago we were beginning to crow about our wonderful employment recovery, double-digit unemployment is again hitting newsreels. And overnight, the federal government released its budget update with a record deficit since World War II. Welcome, Matthew. Hi, Craig. Good to be here again. Thanks, mate, for joining us. What I didn't mention in my opening, Matthew, was the much-anticipated reviews of both JobKeeper and JobSeeker. Can we get a very brief reminder of the main changes announced? And were there any less publicised changes buried, in your opinion? My follow-on question would also be, was JobMaker mentioned? Well, the JobKeeper and JobSeeker programs have been extended from the end of September for six months to uh, March of next year at, uh, at a reduced rate. The JobKeeper um, payments have been reduced from $1,500 a fortnight to $1,200 per fortnight for full-time workers and uh, to $750 uh, a fortnight for part-time workers. Uh, the job seeker payment has also been trimmed uh, down from $550 per fortnight currently to $250 per fortnight um, uh, as of the end of September. Of, of September. Uh, businesses to um, be eligible for the JobKeeper payments still have to um, show that they meet the turnover requirements, which is a fall of 30% in turnover for small to medium-sized businesses and 50% for larger businesses and corporates. Um, they have to show that, that they meet that criterion uh, for the December payments over both the second and third quarters, the June and September quarters of this year, and then in order to receive payments in the January, in the March quarter of next year, they have to also show they meet that requirement uh, in the December quarter of this year. Uh, all up, the extension of uh, the JobKeeper and JobSeeker um, program is worth a little bit over $20 billion, or around about uh, 2% of GDP over the next six months. And as part of those measures, of course, Matthew, with JobSeeker, one of the things I found quite interesting was that that obligation for uh, JobSeeker recipients to search for work is, main, is, is reintroduced. So uh, that'll be quite interesting to see how that one pans out, given the amount of jobs on offer at the moment. Matthew, over the past few weeks, we've heard from yourself and countless others that this time the recession is different. Just last week, we were speaking about zombie companies being maintained under JobKeeper. How effective do you think the fiscal policies the government introduced will be, will be addressing this unintended consequence? Well, it doesn't really change the dial, I don't think, on, on that issue. I mean, the uh, payments still go to uh, companies as long as they can uh, meet the, uh, the um, turnover requirements. So it's still a sort of like a very uh, broad sort of policy. Um, it's less targeted in that respect, and it doesn't really address the issue of whether these uh, companies that are recipients of the JobKeeper program 
have the ability to survive in the longer term. So that's probably one of the issues um, that we were perhaps looking for the government to address, but uh, doesn't seem to have um, addressed that issue either on an industry or geographic basis um, in the uh, in the extent, extension of the JobKeeper program. Thanks, Matthew. Um, look, let's dig into the JobKeeper and JobSeeker extensions you summarised earlier. I know you've had the spreadsheets running hot this week. What's the economic impact you've been modelling, Matthew? Well, I mean, the extent to which the JobKeeper and JobSeeker payments are able to stimulate the economy depends entirely on how much of the $20.4 billion of funds actually finds its way into the economy and the most direct conduit for that is through expenditures. Now, in the most optimistic case where all of the $20.4 billion went to as income support to low and uh, middle income earners uh, who would then use that to, to, to spend, you know, the, the actual um, total package is still only worth uh, about uh, 1% per quarter over the, the, the fourth and uh, first quarter of next year, fourth quarter of this year and first quarter of, of next year. So it's not a huge amount of uh, fiscal stimulus given the current environment. If you compare it to the original um, job seeker and job keeper package, it's about a quarter of that size. Um, but on top of that, uh, there are leakages, as we discussed last time when we've talked about the original um, program. Even when those payments would go to low and directly to low and middle income earners, there's still leakage out of that income support, um, types of leakages such as, such as uh, paying down debt, savings, and even some tax liabilities. It diverts income payments away from spending and sort of leaks it away from uh, uh, generating uh, uh, economic activity. Uh, so the in the best case scenario, you're going to get a less than 1% per quarter uh, uh, boost to GDP. But more importantly than that, I think, is the there's a significant change that's occurring uh, in the economy that means that the JobKeeper payments in particular are going to have more of a feature of a subsidy to business rather than income support to workers. Now, the businesses can use those JobKeeper payments to do a couple of things. They could use them to expand capital expenditure and, and OPEX if they wanted to increase um, the level of activity even further. But under, under the current conditions, it's unlikely that, that businesses are going to um, engage in significant CapEx and OPEX um, programs. So it's more likely businesses will use those um, JobKeeper funds either to um, maintain dividend payments to owners, um, to pay down debt, or to retain as earnings, shore up balance sheets. Now, those types of um, uses of the JobKeeper program are a further leakage away from it creating direct expenditure and direct activity in the economy. So in our calculations, you know, that type of leakage could be up to anywhere up to about $10 billion of, um, of the program of the full $20 billion of program. We think that the, the net boost to uh, economic activity will be far short of the 1% per quarter and, and potentially something like around about 0.5% or half a percent of GDP over the uh, six months of uh, the December and January quarters of next year.
It's really a conundrum, isn't it, Matthew? Because if you listen to, you know, we mentioned earlier last week the modern um, monetary uh, sort of theory of, you know, government spending would be one way of getting us out of this. But when you consider this kind of leakage, it sort of does start to beg the question, is that an effective way of doing things? And of course, this week, I think just after the budget was announced, Sally McManus, the head of the ACTU, said that, that any person with a current job has an obligation to spend money to help out the economy move forward. So I was quite keen to dig into this alarming leakage that you're modelling. Is this the cost of effectively maintaining employment and national confidence? And a question without notice, Matthew, is um, did the government go far enough if they've cut the purse, springs, purse strings rather, uh, by a quarter? One of the um, uh, spillover effects of, of the JobKeeper and JobSeeker payments, clearly, uh, you're right, is to bolster confidence. If we had, a, if they had have cut those payments entirely when there was an expectation that they would be extended, then I think you know that you would have had quite a negative hit to to confidence, um, and that leaks into uh, lower spending both by the consumer and by businesses. So there was an argument. Uh, clearly, um, to keep the, the payments going just for that reason alone. It's also true that some of those businesses that are receiving the JobKeeper um, payments, it will make the difference to them uh, as to whether they stay in business or not. Uh, and, and it's very difficult to measure that, um, but that's also a factor that we could, uh, you know, could justify the extension, even though you know, the direct hit is probably unlikely to be significant. But given where the economy has been trending uh, since its low point in the March quarter, I think we are on a, a trajectory to recovery. Thanks, Matthew. Let's bring a full circle. I summed up at the start what the federal government announced yesterday. You've just addressed the job keeper and job seeker extensions and what these fiscal policies are going to have on demand and supply going forward. We've spoken to the need for targeted fiscal stimulus in the past. And let's enhance this to say efficient targeted fiscal spending, ETFS, if you like an acronym. Was your initial reaction to some of the budget measures that tax cuts, et cetera, would help enable this? What are the ways the government can be perhaps more targeted, Matthew? Well, yeah, exactly, um, Craig. The, the problem with delivering stimulus by the form of tax cuts and, and other subsidies like uh, JobKeeper and JobSeeker is, in fact, the enormous amount of leakage that comes out of those types of stimulus packages. And the most obvious way in which the government can provide the combination of direct stimulus in the here and now, as well as use their funds, their budget funds to generate additional productivity down the track is through infrastructure spending. So the beauty of infrastructure spending is that by creating an infrastructure project, by creating an infrastructure asset right now, it injects dollar for dollar Every dollar that the government spends on infrastructure translates into a dollar of expenditure right here, right now, without the leakages to see with the other types of um, uh, policies. Not only that, but infrastructure spending has very large immediate multiplier effects. It's very intensive, most infrastructure projects, in construction. So it stimulates the construction industry, which itself is labour-intensive, and therefore generates further expenditure in the economy. Uh, not only is it labour intensive, a little less known element uh, 
to do with infrastructure project is that they are those projects are relatively intensive in their usage of um, professional services industries uh, such as financial services, engineering services, uh, accounting services, etc. Those industries are also labour intensive and very high val add, so they generate further expenditure throughout uh, the economy. And finally, infrastructure spending delivers, continues to deliver down the track through its enhancement of productivity, improving the competitiveness of the Australian economy, delivering returns um, much longer than the initial expenditure uh, on the creation of the infrastructure project itself. Now, the RBA, uh, commentators like ourselves at QIC have been calling for the government to devote more of its, its fiscal firepower to infrastructure for many years. We are now in a situation where the time has come. The time has come for the government to start using its fiscal power to enhance infrastructure spending. Thank you for that, Matthew. And the government has been largely congratulated on their reactions to the pandemic to date. But as we always feared, this pandemic uh, might sort of stray into the longer term. So it's going to be really important to see how the government's policies evolving will be received by the market. But of course, only time will tell how effective the latest policy measures will be. Of course, as Matthew alluded to and, and correctly pointed out, targeted fiscal spending seems to be the order of the day going forward. Thank you for listening to QPod this week. Uh, please watch out for our next QPod on Monday morning and have a super weekend ahead.